recording live from the lucky number seven lounge in the basement of dine drink travel world headquarters in the barren wastelands of far west texas this is dine drink vegas and ta-da it's episode 14 where we break down our vegas do's and don'ts and get you up to date on some of the news we thought was interesting going on in vegas as we close into the end of the month of october 2023 i'm your host john aka the baller on a budget and it is now time for us to get the show rolling by bringing in the man the myth the legend the founder of dine drink vegas the leader in the luxury lounge the king of comps the high roller of the high plains the man who's always waiting for that limo to take him away to his resort it's bill hey bill how you doing this week so i'm fine john but i'm not gonna lie i'm a little bit nervous why is my drink of the day green because it looks like the sort of thing I would have drank either when I was four years old and in preschool. Okay, mama didn't send me to preschool. When I was five years old in kindergarten or when I was like in 20 and desperately trying to find anything I could in college. So um, the this week's drink is, is definitely not the complex high-end cocktail we crafted for episode 13 a mere fortnight ago. But it's a variation on a theme. So this is a Jolly Rancher Apple Teeny. And my inspiration as we made an apple-themed drink last week was, number one, when I was young and could not afford better alcohol, one of our favorite things to do was to put Jolly Ranchers in Zimas and then put them back in the fridge for a few hours. And they come out looking about like this. But number two, we had the conversation, I believe, two episodes ago about uh, having drinks in your room. So one of the things I got to thinking about was, you know, most of us, when we have our walking around drink in the room, it's pretty easy to do a rum and Coke or Jack and Coke, that kind of thing to do, uh, you know, make a mule with vodka and ginger ale that you bought at the CBS or the ABC store. But what if you wanted something a little bit different? So since we were in the Apple theme, I bought some Jolly Rancher powder. Now, these little flavor powders available at most of our supermarkets across the country are designed that you mix this with a 16.9 ounce bottle of water and boom, you have Jolly Rancher water. So I mixed the powder with eight ounces of water to get a double strength. And then for each drink, it's two ounces of our Jolly Rancher mix and two ounces of, we use Dripping Springs vodka, but you want a a run-of-the-mill vodka. If you were buying this on the strip in Vegas, I would recommend Tito's, readily available. Don't buy the cheapest vodka you can get. Nobody wants McCormick's or just mystery brand vodka. But you also don't want to drop a $50 a bottle of vodka in can, here. Can I make a confession at oh, this yeah. point in the show, John? So I was at um, the Palms, I guess over spring break, uh, whatever, at some point much earlier this year. And I needed a Bloody Mary in the morning and he made it with vodka out of the bar gun, and I drank it anyway because it was that kind of a morning. Yeah, no, I get that. And we don't want that level. We don't want rot gut. I will say, too, we talked about walking around drinks. So I've actually done this before, not with the apple flavor, but I've done it with the watermelon flavor. Uh, And if you have a 16-ounce bottle and you go, say, half water, half spirit of your choice, or if you want to go a little easier because that's a lot, you could say go with 
12 ounces of water and four ounces of the spirit of your choice because eight ounces is a lot and mix that up and chill it if you have a fridge in your room chill it overnight if not chill it in the ice bucket because every hotel's got an ice bucket and ice you've got a walking around drink that if you're smart you'll make last you several hours as you're going around vegas because you don't want to consume that much very fast but it's a way that you can have a bespoke beverage of your choice without paying an arm and a leg at Vegas prices. So just a, just a thought of how you could do a little hotel room mixology without spending a lot of money and get something relatively tasty. So Bill, I know this is sweeter than you like, really sweeter than I normally like, but what do you think? So I, I, <clears throat> it's not that it's bad. It's actually, it's an interesting drink. It's just I, I, I'm in my late 40s. It is so different from the sort of stuff I normally drink that I'm having trouble trying to categorize this. And you were talking about drinking this slowly as a walking around drink in Vegas. This doesn't taste like the sort of thing that you sip. This tastes like the sort of thing that you had way too much of when you were at that one party in college that you're trying very hard to forget. Well, that and, and that's fair. But on the other hand, I mean... If you've got an insulated travel cup, you could make this last a while. And I I would not recommend consuming this quickly unless you want your Vegas experience to end way sooner than it should. And speaking of things going wrong in Vegas, let's go ahead and dive into our main topic because I think this is a nice segue. So we wanted to talk about some of our big do and don't tips while you're in Vegas. And we don't have this on the list, but since you brought up college drinking, one that we discussed getting ready for the show is do have a good time in Vegas, let your hair down unless you're bald like me, and maybe indulge in a little bit more than you normally would at home. But don't party like it's 1999 and Prince and the Revolution are singing. Yeah, that's going to cause you to miss most of the rest of the trip. I was in Vegas last year for National Finals Rodeo with some friends of mine, And these dudes were probably mostly 60 and were trying to forget that. And it just, it, it, it didn't work out fantastically. Even if you're younger than that by several decades, of course you want to go and have a good time. But in particular, that first night, if you hit it too hard, you're going to ruin the rest of your trip. And if you do it too hard the last night, your trip back home is going to be absolutely miserable. And folks, this is a show with the drink of the day. We're not telling you to sit there like the church choir and not do anything, right? Like that's not why you're in Vegas. Just have some sort of plan to moderate and restrain things so you can enjoy the whole trip. Yeah, I agree. Now, if now we've talked before about the beauty of pool days. If you're going to overdo it a night in Vegas and you know that you've got a day that is a pool day, I will say that a pool day or if you're like Bill and you enjoy spa day, Plan your I overdid it in Vegas night, the night before you have your I'm going to chill at the spa or the pool, because that that will at least plan your recovery in because you do not want to be dragging yourself out for big fun activities. You don't want to be driving the rented Ferrari. You don't want to go to the super automatic, the fully automatic gun range. There's a lot of amazing things you can do in Vegas. And you don't want to do that when you feel like there's somebody jackhammering inside your head. So if you are going to overdo it, you know, plan the night for that so that the next day you've got a nice relaxing day in Vegas and not a big, exciting full itinerary day in Vegas. Absolutely. Um, Because you're going to be in Vegas, right? You're going to be having fun. And it is so easy to almost accidentally overdo things. And I guess that would be 
the biggest point is to have a plan for whatever it is that you are going to do. Yeah, and hydrate because if you're there the half of the year that it is ungodly hot, uh, you will dry out very quickly, especially if you have uh, too much of the devil's liquor. Yes, absolutely. Well, so most of our other things are kind of classic do's and don'ts. What what do we have, John? So one of the first things that we, we say that uh, pretty common advice is, If you're going to gamble at any hotel, or even if you're not going to gamble, but you're staying at a particular hotel, or you're staying at a hotel and you're going to dining things at their partner places, get the player's card to track your gambling and spending, because that's how you get discounts and potentially, depending on your play and spend level, comps. Absolutely. I think that is great advice. And I travel with some friends who don't always do that, and I don't understand it. And I will say... That brings up the don't. Don't be chasing status. And I've been bad at this. I'm bad at it with airlines. I'm to a lesser extent bad at it with hotels. And I've been bad at it with Vegas loyalty programs. And they're not there for my good, right? So you absolutely want to track what you're doing because they're going to figure it out anyway. It's not like there's some massive loss of privacy. Um, You want to do it because there are some real rewards with it. But if you're chasing the rewards, you're spending more money than you need to Um, Because if what you want is the shiny hotel room or the free steak dinner, just go buy those things. And it's ultimately way cheaper to do that way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see this a lot in in some of the online forums, especially on Facebook. You know, how much do I have to gamble to get X tier status with whatever hotel? And the answer is gamble more than it would have cost you to buy what you were going to buy. And, you know, Listen, if you have the money and you enjoy gambling and you gamble at a level where they give you free stuff, sure, fine. Uh, But stay within your gambling budget and don't think that, you know, the hotel is not a charity. The casino is not a charity. Unless you are one of the rare lucky people who hits a true jackpot, this setup where they're always going to get more back out of you than they gave you for free. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, no, I think you are absolutely spot on correct. Um, Yeah, you don't, whatever. I'm, what you're hearing me stumble over is the fact that I've been so angry at myself for having chased status before, and it's not good. What else do we have? What other things should you do in Vegas? So consider booking hotels direct. I know a lot of us, there's a lot of advertising to use, Trivago, hotels.com. You should consider booking direct. Especially because, as we just said, when you book direct, then you're going to accrue points in their reward system. So there is a big reason why booking direct should honestly probably be your first choice. So you and I actually differ on this one as a matter of degree. I would say you should only book direct. And I know that you've had some success with with travel packages before. But booking direct makes it so much easier to make any changes you've got to make or do anything else. Right, which leads to my don't. Don't forget to shop around. There's a lot of reasons why booking direct is usually the best idea and the best deal, right? You're usually going to get the best rate that way. You're going to get perks that way. As you said, it's easier to deal with them that way. But do shop around, especially the bundles from the the hotels. Now, those third-party sites are almost never going to be a better deal and the inconvenience of having to call, you know, hotels.com when you have an issue, not going to be worth it. They don't excel at customer service. But on one trip in particular, my wife and I, we had the budget to stay at Park MGM. 
And and we had that set up. I was ready to book. But we tend to fly southwest because it's the best thing from, you know, the dusty hinterlands of far west Texas. It's usually the best deal and the only way to get a direct flight. Rolled over to southwestvacations.com. And they had a bundle where the cost of getting a room at the Palazzo and our air flight bundled was cheaper than it was going to cost us for just our flights at southwest.com. It doesn't always happen that way. You got to watch. But in that scenario, yeah, if we had to change anything in our itinerary, we were going to be dealing with Southwest Vacations as opposed to the Palazzo, and that was going to be a pain. But you know what? If I can get my my tickets and my stay at the Palazzo cheaper than just my airline tickets, yeah, I'm doing that every time. So I see what you're saying. I've actually got a corollary to your rule about don't forget to shop around. And it goes back to the rule about not chasing status. I would say when you're shopping around, shop at multiple different hotel groups. Check out In Life. Also check out what Caesars has. Do all of that because one group or another may have some different benefits. One of my do's in Vegas, and I know that I disagree with a lot of my friends on this, but I would say do book your dinners ahead of time. And the reason why is nobody wants to lose an hour or an hour and a half in Vegas waiting to walk into a place. In some places, that's not even going to be possible in the first place. And for me, my Vegas trips are primarily planned around excellent meals. So for right. me, one of the big do's in Vegas is to plan your dinners ahead of time. Yeah, and the first time I went to Vegas with you, you know, I was one of your friends that was critical of that approach. Because it feels like you're you're locked in. And don't get me wrong, if you booked a, a restaurant uh, and you change your mind, as long as you cancel at a reasonable time frame, it's no big deal. But especially on the weekends, uh, it really is, it makes a big difference because these places do get busy. There could be a ton of visitors in town. Yeah, I, I you've made a convert out of me. But the don't, I would say, that goes with this, and I don't understand people. Do not eat at any chain restaurant you can get in a two-hour radius of your home. Oh, for the love of all that's good and holy, of course not. Yeah, Vegas is a foodie destination. I don't understand why I see people standing in line standing in line to eat at Denny's or Outback Steakhouse. Like, don't get me wrong. I am not such a snob that I won't scarf down a moons over my hammy, right? But when I'm in one of the world's best food, food capitals that's not the time for that don't get me wrong i think as chain steakhouses go outback makes a decent offering but you are in a town where you can barely throw a rock without hitting a world-class steakhouse i do not need a blooming onion in vegas that's not the place for that so i don't know why this show or this episode 14 has now become the episode where i confess to things but I did that once. It was my second or third trip to Vegas. I was staying in the Tropicana with a buddy of mine. It got to be about one in the morning. I don't know if we'd even eaten dinner that night. And we wound up going to what is quite possibly the world's saddest Denny's. And it was a mistake, right? Book your dinners ahead of time so you've got a plan, so you've, you've got good places to go so you don't end up at places. And if you do end up at places... There are so many amazing holes in the wall in Vegas, things that you might, you know, fast service sorts of places, even just the slice of pizza places in the food courts. Do that. Don't go to a place you can go to because it's randomly Tuesday wherever you are. Well, and I've even like I've been guilty of because I'm a I'm a coffee addict. I've been guilty of getting Starbucks in Vegas. And then I realized that almost every hotel that has a Starbucks in it, there's a high end restaurant serving breakfast 
with a really well-built Italian espresso machine sitting behind the bar that will make me a better coffee drink. And I'm not anti-Starbucks, but they will make me a coffee drink I can't get from home. Usually when you walk into their bar at seven in the morning, there's not a line for the bar and you can wait a long time to get Starbucks in Vegas. The cost is not much more than Starbucks. So why not, even with your coffee, skip the Starbucks, Park MGM, perfect example. The the uh, Starbucks is right by Primrose. Primrose is a lovely French little bistro in Park MGM. They make really good coffee and you don't have to wait 45 minutes to get the same coffee you get at home. Like it's worth it to walk over. You'll pay like a buck more, really. It's no, worth it. I think you're right. So the next do on our list is one of yours. Would you talk about that for a minute? So look for deals on entertainment and dining online before you travel. Check out places like Groupon. Play the My Vegas apps where sometimes you can get discounts on show tickets and dining options, mostly at MGM properties, but there's a few other. If you're into celebrity chefs, there's usually some deals on Wolfgang Puck joints, that kind of thing. Um, you know, you want to be looking for those online deals so you can get yourself a nice discount on fun things to do and good places to eat when you get to town. No, I think you're absolutely right about that. And that kind of goes to my last do, which is book your dinners ahead of time. And I will say, if the do is to look for deals online before you travel, I would say an absolute don't is to take the cards and brochures from the random street hustlers. Y'all, if you've never been to Vegas before, if you're walking down up and down the strip, particularly at night, there's going to be some dude there, usually a dude, in a fluorescent colored t-shirt with cards for any number of things which constitute horrible life choices that you don't want to book on the fly. A lot of these cards are advertising exotic dancers. I've seen the cards for whatever else. Nothing good possibly comes at the end of that. Yeah, and 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 they do have things for shows and 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 meals too, but a lot of it is CD adult things and look you know, we've talked about this on the podcast. One of our rules when we go to Vegas, like we tend to, we like to go when our wives will go with us. But when we go on a guy's trip, I'm not doing anything in Vegas that would make my wife leave me. But if you happen to be into adult entertainment, I am not here to judge you. But the the quality of the entertainment you're going to get from some random fat guy named Tony standing on the corner of Harmon and the Las Vegas Strip is probably not as good as if you book something in advance. And let me tell you, too, a lot of these cards, it's about sending a girl to your room. And there's two things listeners need to know. That's legal in the state, but not in, in Clark County. So you are opening yourself up to potential legal ramifications. You could get scammed. You could get robbed. And I've never done this. I would never do this. But my guess is the girl that shows up probably doesn't look like the girl on the card. Yeah, and also just gross. Yeah, don't no do things. it. Just no. ugh, no. So let's talk about happier things and things which you should do. And this one is off of my list. And ultimately, it's your fault that I think this way now because I didn't used to think this way. But I would say do try both downtown and the Strip. And if you're only going to make one trip ever, that means you probably make a, a side trip at some point. But if you're going to make two, three, four trips to Vegas... Make one focused on downtown and one focused on the Strip because you're probably going to like one area better than the other. Like, I like the Strip better than I like downtown, but I also like downtown and I don't want the same trip every time. And you can't really know which area you prefer for whatever reasons make you happy, right? You can't really know which area you prefer until you've tried them both. Yeah, and I do think, too, a lot of people will... 
you know, take, take an Uber downtown one night when they're staying on the strip for three or four nights. And they'll decide that walking the Fremont street experience at 10 o'clock at night, that is what it is. Uh, that is the big thing that draws people down there, but downtown is fascinating during the day. The restaurant scene is very different downtown, but it's also very good. There, there is entertainment downtown. The mob museums downtown. There is stuff to do during the day. And some of my favorite bars are actually yeah, downtown. My yeah. fa- a couple of my favorite steakhouses are downtown. Yeah, it's just a different vibe. And I, I and I'm with you know I'm the opposite of you. I'm the other side of the coin. I think push come to shove. I prefer downtown. But that I don't always want downtown. After two or three downtown trips, I want to go to the strip. And I think you tend to be the other way around, but each has their values. And I would add to, we haven't done a lot. Neither of us have done much off the strip, but there are some things off strip that intrigue me and uh, yeah, vary the game a little bit. Absolutely. So if the do is to try both downtown and the strip, my don't is don't fall in love with one hotel until you've seen several. And here's what I mean. My first trip to um vegas was with my sister and her um her then husband who who passed a couple of months ago um we went to the stratosphere and it was at that point we're talking like january 2005 at that point it looked to me seedy and unhappy and i almost decided it was horrible and i haven't given the north strip a fair shot since then as a result at a trip not very long after that i stayed at the bellagio and i absolutely loved it and I spent way too much time at the Bellagio as a result of that. And it's not that the Bellagio wasn't fantastic. I think on balance, it's probably still my favorite place in Vegas. It's that there are so many other fantastic places with something to offer. Um, you should try those. And you can't really know why you appreciate whatever your favorite winds up being until you've stayed at several different places. Yeah, my wife is a huge fan of New York, New York. And don't get me wrong, I love that place too. And it's probably my favorite on the Strip, although I love Bellagio, I love Palazzo, I love Mandalay Bay. But we tend to gravitate back to that because it's her favorite. If I left it up to her, that's all we would ever do. But there, there are so many great experiences out there. And every now and then you have a stay that you didn't like. But even then you get a story to tell, you learn a thing or two. Maybe you get with one of your friends to start a podcast and gripe about it. You know, whatever works. But now, try some different stuff. If, if your wife prefers the New York, New York in that area... Can't you just say, woman, I'm the man of the house, and here's what we're doing? Would that work for you, John? So normally when we have a disagreement like that, we'll sit down and we'll have a long conversation and we'll compromise by doing whatever she wants. Yeah, no, I I, I understand. I live in a very similar household. Yeah. So what's the next do, John? Oh, uh, plan a budget. And y'all, I call myself the baller on a budget for a reason. You You need to, like Vegas can get expensive in a hurry. Make sure you got a plan rolling in. And I think you're right on that because I am bad about the the best name for the logic I can think of as well. I guess I could in any one of those choices. I always could, but then then the end of it, I get my credit card statement. I'm like, how did any of this happen? Right. So no, I think you're right. You have to have plan a budget. Now I will say, if the do is to plan a budget. One of my absolute don'ts is to try to do this as cheaply as you would eat at home or as you would do anything else at home. Because they're, you know, it's Vegas. It's not a particularly cheap city, but there are some phenomenal things to do. Figure out what you can afford. You absolutely stick to that. But don't assume that you're going to eat like you were eating peanut butter sandwiches in your kitchen at the house. Or even 
Don't assume you're going to eat like you were eating at your local McDonald's because that's that's just not the way things work no. out. Although if you want to economize one meal a day by keeping a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter in your room, you can do that. No, you can absolutely do that. Right. Right. You and you kind of have to economize at some point. But if you're trying to economize on every meal, right, and yeah. every entertainment thing, you know what? Wait till you can afford something else. Yeah. If you can't afford to indulge yourself a little, stay at home and watch Vegas videos. Right. right? Cause it really does like if, if you budget too tight. It really does stink to watch everybody else do things at Vegas. And we've done that because, uh, you know, the the uh, the inflation crisis has been a great equalizer. And I've had a few promotions over the last few years. But the first couple of times we went to Vegas as a group, most of the other guys we do guy stuff with uh, at the time were making a fair bit more than me. And yeah, it does stink when you're at the nice steakhouse and you're going, no guys, I'm not that hungry. I'm just going to have the French onion soup, you know, cause that's not really what you want. So you got to think about this stuff beforehand, save up a little, know your means, try to give yourself enough to splurge on some things, but cut corners in other ways. Absolutely. Now we'll say one of the corners I don't want to cut. One of the things, which is an absolute do is to get a limo from the airport. And it doesn't have to be a limo, right? Like you can get a hired sedan, but you want to roll to the hotel in style. You don't want to be waiting for the taxi. You don't want to be finding the Uber stand. You want somebody to help you with the luggage. And you want that first moment in Vegas to feel like you've arrived. So one of my absolute do's is you should get a limo from the airport. I think we may mention that in the open to this show. Yeah, and one of my don'ts is don't get a limo to the airport. It's a hundred bucks. Now, don't get me wrong, if you're traveling with a group and you've got a bill in your group and he's willing to book it and he's going to pay for it either way, I will gladly pay Bill the same amount I would have paid for my Uber and he's happy to take it because he was doing it anyway and that's found money to him. But but to me, uh, these rides are not very long, especially if you're staying on the South Strip. It doesn't take very long to get from the hotel to Mandalay Bay. You can see it when you land the plane. Uh, I, I generally opt for Uber or Lyft. Um, it's not as cheap as the taxi. It's not as cheap as the bus, but it's nice enough. It's still cheaper than the limo. No, absolutely. Now, I will say I used to get a limo to, or from the airport and back to the airport, I still and will always get a limo from the airport. I no longer get a limo back to the airport because when you arrive, you know exactly when you're arriving and you want to go and you want to go to the hotel. When you're going back, you know you want to leave at about, let's say it's two in the afternoon, but maybe you're done early and you want to go at one to see if you can catch an earlier flight. Maybe you're on a hot streak at the craps table and you want to save 15 or 20 extra minutes. So I no longer get a limo back to the airport because I want to preserve at least a few minutes of flexibility about when I actually leave. Yeah, no, and I and I and I get that. Like and like I said, when I travel with you and you book a limo, I'm more than happy to chip in on that. Uh, but it's a thing that if it's just me or just me and my wife, because she's a notorious cheapskate, we skip that. When I'm traveling with you, hey, I'll gladly chip in because I know you're doing it anyway, and I'll I'll pay my fair share. Uh, and it and does. it's always possible that one of our friends might do a performative dance at some point in the limo. Yeah, and that's been, especially if they've run out of limos and they send you the party bus with the pole in it. But that's a story we're not going to tell in this particular episode. Or hey, Derek, ever. how are you? All right. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, there's that. Okay. So let's go to an area of agreement, John. So our our last do and our last don't, we are 100% in agreement on. The do is tip, and the don't is... Don't be a cheapskate. Yep. These folks in Vegas that make magic happen for you depend on tips, uh, and we want to take care of the people who take care of us. Uh, when you're a tourist in Vegas, the hospitality there is top notch, and uh, the people that, that make that work, tip them. Yeah, um, so often, most of their salary winds up coming from that. And you know what? It's it's If you're going to be a high roller, if that's why you're going to Vegas anyway, then extend that to the people who are working hard for you. And even if you're trying to have a less expensive experience, cool, because I've done that a whole lot of trips, particularly my earlier trips to Vegas. Still, if people are helping you out, treat them right. One of the things I try to do in particular is I always leave a tip for my housekeeper. And for years and years, if I was in a standard hotel room, that was about five bucks. I've let it go up to about 10. I'm more than that if I'm in a suite or if I've made a particular mess or something like that. But these people are badly underpaid. They work hard. And you know what? I want to I want to show them that I appreciate what they're doing. Also, as a practical matter, sometimes it will get you stuff like extra towels or maybe they don't look so hard for the damage when you check out or other things like that. But no, it's just it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and you're a better tipper than I am, but I'm a better tipper than most. And I think it's really important. It well, is. all right. With our do's and don'ts covered, let's shift gears to news. And we've got a number of items today. So the first one I'm going to lead off with that uh, the um, the Golden Gaming Awards, which I didn't even know existed until I saw a number of people on Twitter, including Vital Vegas, talking about it. Uh, they put out their awards this year, and it's voted on by industry professionals, a panel of 100 of them, and they have voted the Circa as the best casino in America. So, Bill, what's your favorite casino, and what are your criteria? So I want to be clear when i answer this question i'm not talking about my favorite hotel i'm not talking about my favorite experience i'm not talking about my favorite setting or where i want to eat what i'm looking at strictly is the gambling experience and up until recently my favorite casino in town was at the el cortez because it has the friendliest gambling rules in town however had Eh, had um at the games i play it still does right okay fair um but it's just so crowded and so dingy and all of that that even though i've won a lot more money than i've lost there it has now simply become my second favorite place my favorite place to gamble my favorite casino and this again isn't my favorite overall experience right just my favorite casino is down at the other end of the Fremont Street Experience and the Plaza. It still gets a little more crowded than I would prefer, but they've got some interesting table games. I love the World's Most Liberal 21. I love the Silver Strike slot machine. Um, I've had some pretty good luck on some of their slots. I like the variety of stuff they have available. If you do want a quick drink, the um, there are a couple bars right off the casino floor that are good. And frankly, I've had pretty good service you know, from the, the, the floor walkers, right? The, uh, that is absolutely the wrong phrase. From the, the servers walking the floor to offer you drinks. So I think my favorite casino in town is down, um, is down at the plaza. Now, I like the Circa, and the Circa is very, very good, but it gets slightly more expensive than either of those first two with slightly less good odds. Now, it's cleaner, it's brighter, it's airier, but if what I'm trying to do is gamble... 
those things matter to me. They matter less than the table rules, though. Yeah, and I did not expect us to have the same answer to this, Uh, and and especially because you are a table game person. I'm not. Uh, My primary game is video poker. Uh, my answer is also the plaza. Uh, and, and it's also one of my favorite places to stay. It's the home of my favorite steakhouse in Vegas, Oscars. Yes. Um, and where I, I do where like, I met yeah. his honor. Have yeah. we talked about that? Yes, on we have. Podcast? And I am very jealous because I would, I would love to meet his honor and her honor. I, I won the that mayor's trip. Goodman. Yeah. So you, you won there. Um, but again, the video poker odds at the plaza are some of the best in town. Although, the you check your machines because some of the plaza machines are not as good as others. Not every machine has the same pay table, and there's some other places like there's some uh, tables at the four queen uh, uh, games at the four queen and the downtown grand that are better. Uh, but overall, you can get pretty good payouts at the plaza. The last time I was there, uh, the sand dollar had it. Sand dollars also got live music, which I like. Uh, I, I, if I am going to play a, ca- a table game, I've done so at, uh, the plaza I've done roulette at the plaza, which is not like me. They also have a fortune cup, which granted it's not as cool as the really no, old it, Sigma Derby, but I love fortune cup. It is so cool. And I don't know why I like that that much, but one of these days I'm going to put $5 on a horse with like 1,479 to one odds. And it's going to pay off. And you know what, John? I will buy dinner that night. Yeah, that, and I will let you. So, yeah, I, I agree. Plaza is my favorite. So that's downtown. Do you have a favorite on the Strip? So if, again, I'm answering specifically the question about favorite casino and not favorite overall hotel, but my favorite overall casino on the Strip is quite clearly Treasure Island, and it's not particularly close. There are probably a couple of rundown seedy looking places with even better rules, but even then I doubt it. They've got double deck blackjack dealt from a shoe with a buy-in that is quite frequently $10 or $15 that pays three to two. I think most of their, not all their tables, but most of their tables pay, pay three to two. Most of their, their stadium blackjack pays three to two now they have some of the the kind of crappy electronic blackjack games that just pay six to five so you do have to be careful and look but for table games players particularly for back blackjack players the treasure island is way easily the best deal on the strip now i also happen to like staying there they also have some real nice bars um it's good easy to get a drink although the floor service isn't as good it's pretty easy to go buy your own drink, and I don't want whatever horrible drink they'll serve me for free there anyway. On the Strip, it's going to be Treasure Island. What about you, John? So uh, video poker on the Strip really is not as good as it used to be, although at several of the MGM properties, if you're willing to play a higher denomination, there's some decent pay tables in the high limit rooms, but again, you're looking at anywhere from 2 to $10 a hand. You're not getting the quarter a hand at a good pay table anywhere on the strip anymore i know you didn't go with us and our buddy mike hated the place and felt like it was just an absolute dirty dingy dive i think it's worth if you're a video poker player walk a few blocks over get to ellis island it's almost on the strip it's basically behind paris um and it is it's a smaller property it's you know mike trashed it i don't think it's any dingier or older rundown looking than ti to be honest it's smaller than ti i would never in a million years stay at that hotel it does not really appeal to me i'm sure it's fine it's adequate but you know you go to vegas for world-class places to stay but if i'm 
on or near the strip and I really want to have a serious video poker session, yeah, I'm making the walk over to Ellis Island. Yeah, okay, I see your point. Although, I guess for me, when I'm thinking the strip, I think directly there on the strip. Yeah, and, and in which case, like, they're all anymore, unfortunately, fairly similar. Treasure Island's not bad. So when we wind up hanging out there, I don't mind. Like I said, with MGM properties, you know, I just suck it up. I know I'm going to risk more per hand, but I'm probably going to wind up uh, in the high limit room because the better pay tables are there. But video poker on the strip, it's hard to find a game with a favorable pay table these days. That's fair. Well, what else is going on in news? I guess one of the things I'm going to talk about is it looks to me like prices are falling for Formula One. I mean, for a while, you had to pay $3 million in your firstborn for a, a decent room for Formula One. And that's a small exaggeration, right? Like they would have taken your second born. But still, prices were really, really high. And what I'm going to do, you were talking about, um, didn't you see some MGM members are actually starting to get comp rooms now, John? Yeah, there were there were a couple of platinum players uh, who were posting out on Twitter, and I saw one on Facebook that they were getting offers for comp rooms and even free play during Formula One. So that suggests to me that at least some MGM properties are having a hard time uh, filling up for the race. They're not getting the premium prices they thought they would. Prices are starting to come down. Uh, it, that has not trickled its way to me yet, but I am I am Pearl, and I am Pearl because I have the credit card. Although I did earn Pearl this year. I would be Pearl either way. They're not trying to give me a free room because I think they know I am not betting on that race, and I work for a living and can't get those days off. Uh, but yeah, it looks like that is coming down and that they have miscalculated the hit on Formula One. It is not going to be the bonanza payday that I think they anticipated. So I have just logged into my MGM account and we're going to see what a hotel would cost. What are the dates there? It's November, what, 16th or 19th or is it 9th through 12th? Oh my goodness. Now I'm going to have to Google that. The Google is always there for you. Yep. And listeners can enjoy the sounds of the clickety-clack of our keyboards. Yeah, uh, get so, off my lawn. I like my clickety-clacking te- keyboard because that's the way it was back in my day. Right. We walked uphill to school both ways, and we liked it. So, da-da-da-da-da. So, like, I'm on the Formula One website. I could buy tickets. Why did they not tell me what the dates are? Why is that a thing? So the race is on the 19th, practice and qualifying start on the 16th. I am really surprised that it is that close to Thanksgiving, but cool, whatever. So I want a room from the 16th through the... Check out on the 20th. I'm going to check the 21st. Let's go. So the Bellagio is costing me, and remember, folks, I am not a high-status player. The Bellagio is costing me $1,000 a night for those nights, but the Vidara? is costing me $313 a night. It's not that that's cheap, but it's a great option right there. Now, let me go in, and uh, the MGM Grand is at $176 a night. The Mandalay Bay, from which you obviously can't see the race, but it's a lovely property, I'm getting it $80 a night. The Luxor at $56. So yeah, these prices have cratered. So let me go into the Vidara, because that's the best of the locations I might theoretically afford for viewing the race. Um, on Sunday the 19th, they've actually got me comped there. And a studio fountain view room, which means I would be able to see part of the race, 
is $491.95 a night. And I'm not arguing that's cheap, folks, because obviously it's not. But that's, that is a fraction of what they were charging before, and you'd be able to see part of the race. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm looking at, yeah, even the Dirty Castle is, is affordable on my rates, like roughly 170 a night, which again is way more than I'm ever going to pay for the dirty castle, but still not that long ago, you know, we were looking at $500 a night for Ellis Island. So things have changed a lot. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't go to Excalibur, John, you can do better than the Excalibur. Um, so, but that actually raises a second news item. We had talked on the last couple of episodes about the Russian hackers getting into the MGM accounts Um, What this brings up is a new point because I don't really care much what they say in their news releases or their emails. I care about what I can actually observe. I was just able to log into my MGM account perfectly successfully. It is October the 21st, so it's more than a month after the attack. But I was able to log in. I was able to see my account balances. I was able to get my offers, which means that electronically it looks like MGM is back from the attack. Now, I will say that my offers are even less generous than they had been previously, which is super weird because on this last trip, I spent quite a bit of money and I gambled a whole lot. Yeah. But nonetheless, that, that is a different question. It looks to me like they've recovered from the Russian hack. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's kind of weird. They're inconsistent. So uh, I'm planning to go in March. And I had two trips this summer where I legitimately earned Pearl status. So I spent more than I normally did. And my offers don't really look different than before those two trips, which seems weird because usually they throw something at you. Now, I have gotten a few emails where I got some very enticing, narrow travel window offers, and that's better than what I've been seeing. And I don't know if that's a function of they're they're getting ready to reward me for what I spent over the summer, or if those are just really dead dates and they're trying to get bodies in the room. But yeah, it, it, it they're up and running, but I'm not... You know, I kind of thought they might try to entice us back. I have the the link booked in March. We don't have much on the link on, on the YouTube channel. I'm more than happy to stay at link. But if MGM wants to make me a deal based on my loyalty, yeah, I'd switch over. But right now, link where I, I've never stayed at a Caesars property. I don't think I have a Caesars card because I don't gamble at Caesars property. So I'm just paying the retail rate. It's cheaper for me to stay at the link than to stay anywhere in the MGM ecosystem, even with my Pearl status and my history. Seems weird. That seems incredibly weird to me. But if MGM is getting less generous, that probably means we should follow our own advice and not be that linked into any one rewards program anyway. Yep. So what did you see on the um, the video footage you looked at of the Fountain Blue or the Fountain Blue or what, so, however? No, they're, they're going to say Fountain Blue. They're, gonna, they're just going to wipe people this up. All right. So cool. don't worry about it. So the Fountain Blue, it was very shaky. Uh, there was leaked footage. Several people had it all over Twitter. Jacob's Life in Vegas. Uh, Scott over at Vital Vegas, the usual suspects, not us because we don't break news. We're just two fat guys in West Texas. Uh, Very shaky video footage. I expected the Blair Witch to pop out, but looks to be a beautiful, brightly lit. uh, I love the white and blue color scheme. It looks like a fun place. Just based on the decor, I'm not expecting good gambling odds. 
Uh, definitely seems like they're setting themselves up to try to win over some Resorts World customers. And we know Resorts World has had their issues on the business end. Uh, Although I, I love staying at Resorts yeah. World. I, I, I want to walk through Like, I'm intrigued with this property. I want to walk through it. If I could find a room in my price range, I want to stay at it. Uh, you know, there was nothing that just screamed, oh, God, I absolutely have to go there. That's my next trip. But, uh, yeah, it's got my attention. Well, to me, I think the bigger issue is that that makes the north end of the Strip a live option. Because between that and the Fontainebleau, and I guess you could go as far down as the wind, you've got several really nice options. I stayed at the Sahara, and I've got some reviews of it on the YouTube channel. But the Sahara is not a luxury property, but it's a great place to stay. And I think that once you get the Fountain Blue open up on the north end of the Strip, you've got enough of a center of gravity that you can start to get some of the cross traffic that makes it profitable for folks. And more to the point, makes it a place that I'd want to walk, at least here in pleasant weather. Yeah, that's one of the nice things about staying in Vegas on the Strip or downtown uh, versus some of the off-strip places, and we're about to talk about one of those, is that you don't just get the amenities and run of your property. You can go check out all the neighboring stuff, and uh, and I like that. So the idea that we're going to have multiple things on that end of the strip, I've been wanting to do a north strip trip for a while now. It, it just hasn't clicked for our group. You've stayed up there a couple of times. I haven't, but for a guy's trip or if we can get our wives to travel with us, I really want to check out the North end and see what it has to offer. I'm absolutely with you. Now you watched a video of the grand opening of someplace off strip. What'd you see there? So the Silverton Lodge travel Ruby did that. So uh, I, I think they are a standalone. So I don't think you're in any other ecosystem for rewards and points. It's kind of got a mountain ski lodge theme, Really pretty place. Uh, you know, Ruby's videos are always are always great. So everything looked good. I just, it's one of those things that you're not in walking distance to anything else. I think it may be on, on Las Vegas Boulevard, but y'all, that ain't the strip when you're that far down, yeah. right? There's nothing else really walkable. I don't know that there was enough there. Like I want to try some off strip places. I feel like I would need a four night trip where I'm like two nights there and two nights at Red Rock or something like that. I don't think I would want to spend three nights there. It just, it, it, it was interesting, but it just didn't really, you know, catch my attention. No, that's fair. So one other news item that I've seen as we start to draw to a close or at least closer to a close, we've been talking on this podcast for a while about the, the, Oakland A's moving to Las Vegas. But according to the Las Vegas Sun and a couple of other sources, there is a teachers group called Schools Over Stadiums suing to stop the construction of a baseball stadium for the A's. And I don't know that they'll be successful. I don't pretend to understand the legal issues involved um, in terms of who should or should not win. Y'all, we don't we don't comment on this show on the shoulds or should nots of complex political choices. What I will say is in terms of the business perspective, I remain shocked that the A's are this bad at business with not having some of this stuff locked down. And while I still expect them to move to Las Vegas, it's still not a done deal. And that absolutely shocks me. I think it's fair to say that they are as good at business as they've been at baseball the last few years, which is uh, not. 
which has not been good. So, John, you've got one last news story on our run sheet. What's going on with um, the people who work hard to bring us a Vegas experience? So the last thing is there have been rumors going all, uh, uh, around about a strike. Looks like a culinary worker strike has been averted. Uh, that's been reported on several outlets. So, yay, the workers are going to get paid. And, yay, the good food and drinks will keep rolling in our favorite city. And I am wildly in favor of that. So with that, that brings episode 14 to an end. So as people sign out from us bill where can they find more content from dine drink vegas you can find us on dine drink vegas on twitter on instagram and on facebook and also we would appreciate it if you would check out the dine drink vegas youtube channel and if you're listening to us on youtube this podcast is on a different channel than the main dine drink vegas channel also if you enjoyed this podcast please share it with somebody anybody we don't care who just tell somebody who likes vegas that we're out here Please remember if you're on a uh, if you're on a any of these platforms, leave us comments, commentary, tell us what we got, tell us what we got wrong, what we got right, interact with us, and above all else, listen to us next time. Until then, happy travels.